0: Well, I'd like for you to take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Genesis. We're going back to the book of Genesis. We were studying the book of Genesis before uh, the Christmas season, and we were coming to the 12th chapter of the book of Genesis. And today we're going to read uh, verses 1 through 4 of the twelfth chapter. I encourage you to leave your Bibles open, encourage you to take notes. Uh, They say that uh, three times is a, what did you call it? A charm. I have tried three times to try to preach this message. Uh, First of all, the first time I had had scheduled to preach this message was when I was sick I got sick and uh, was not able to preach the second time was of course that uh, we were going to uh, uh, come together and it snowed on us that day and then a third time Dr. Negru came and visited with us and so today you are uh, the congregation that the Lord wanted to hear this message, and so uh, I'm excited. I don't know what he's got in store, but I'm excited why, because of the build-up that the Lord has given to me for this passage of Scripture. I love Old Testament uh, characters, and especially I love Abraham. Abraham is a unique character. He is recognized and uh, reminded us as given a title that no one had ever received from the Lord other than Abraham and that he was a friend of God. You think about that. that. The Bible says he was a friend of God. Many of us have looked unto Abraham as the father Abraham. The first 11 chapters of this uh, book of Genesis, we it covers about 2,000 years of history. And now we come to uh, the next 14 chapters in the, the next several weeks. And we're going to study that one-fourth of Genesis is around the character of Abraham. Abraham. Now, why was Abraham a friend of God? I believe, personally, because I believe his theme song was, Wherever he leads, I will go. He had two things in mind when he was come to serve the Lord, and that was to trust and to obey, for there was no other way. Abraham teaches us in such a marvelous way how to have faith in the Lord and to how we can demonstrate that faith. In fact, the only claim of fame that Abraham had was of faith. And because of that, that inducted him in God's hall of faith. Now, we know even today that because of his faith and his name is so revered by Three great, different uh, religions. The religion of Muslim re- re- revere the name Abraham. The religion of the Jewish world reveres the name of Abraham. And then, of course, we as Christians, we come together today and recognize that He is truly, as the Bible has represented so many times to us in the Old and the New Testament, that He is the Father of faith. So let's look at the passage of Scripture. With your Bibles open, let's turn Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 4. Would you stand with me in reverence of reading His Word? The Bible says, now the Lord had said to Abram, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. As I've said many times, America needs to reread this passage of Scripture over and over and over again. I will bless you, and bless those who will bless you. And I will curse him who curses you, and... In you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now notice what he says in verse 4. So Abraham departed as the Lord has spoken to him, and Lot with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haram. Father, thank you so much for your precious word And Lord, we pray for your divine Holy Spirit to interpret and to inspire and to convict each and every one of our hearts as we study about such a great man like Abraham. May your name be honored, for your name is above all names, and we praise you today. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, anoint us with your power, and may Christ be honored and glorified. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much. You may be seated. I want to talk about faith. Faith is such an important part of a believer's life. Faith. The Bible says that it's impossible to please God without faith. And so therefore, we come and we study a man that who exercised faith in such a marvelous, marvelous way. In your outlines, you may want to follow me. First of all, I want you to notice that the revelation that helped form the faith of Abraham. At the age of 75 years, with a barren wife, the Bible tells us that Abraham left everyone that he knew, his family, his, his, his uh, friends. He left his home. And he did everything for one reason, simply because the Bible says that God told him so. What a demonstration of faith. See, faith is simply a response to the revelation of God. Faith is your commitment to God's commandment. God speaks it, and we respond to it. The value of our faith is determined of the object of that faith. And the object of the faith that Abraham had was, of course, to God himself. Now, there's a couple things that I, I think we need to think about and need to come to a, uh, a firm understanding of what faith is not. A lot of times we uh, think that faith is certain things and when really faith is not. The first thing, as I look at Abraham, faith is not grounded in human resolve. The Bible says there in verse 1, look what he says there in verse 1. He says in this passage of Scripture, Thou the Lord had said to Abraham. God had spoken to Abraham. And he spoke to him in a powerful way. And he told Abraham to lead the Ur of the Chaldeans. And he says, I'll show you where you should go. And so he responded to that. God spoke. And he responded, that is the object and the the, the the instruction of our faith. But so many times we go without God telling us to go. And then when things don't work out, we sometimes wonder why things don't work out. And we blame God. So when you go, you better make sure that God has told you to go. When you stay, you better make sure that God has told you to stay. Many times, people like today will marry a, a non-Christian, and they wonder why God doesn't bless them. And it's simply because God has instructed in His Word not to be unequally yoked. Many times, a man or a person may go into business with a non-believer and wonder why God doesn't bless. Sometimes people has this type of understanding as name-it-and-claim-it religion. And my friend, they want to name it and they want to claim it, and then they get upset if God doesn't give it. But my friend, it's not... Human resolve. And neither is it grounded in human righteousness. Now, I I find it interesting, as you go back to chapter 11, just for a moment. Look with me in verse 28. The Bible says there in verse 28, And Huron died before his father, Terah, in the native land, in the Ur of the Chaldeans. Now, that tells us that Abram was from a place called Ur of the Chaldeans. That was a hotbed for paganism. They had worshipped what they would know today as the moon god. I'm reminded in the scriptures that Joshua reminds us of such a place. It says in Joshua chapter 24, verse 2, it says, and Joshua said to all the people, thus they say, says the Lord God of Israel, your father, including Torah, the father of Abraham and the, and the father of Nahor dwelt on the other side of the river in old times and they served other gods. So the calling of God that was upon Abraham was not because of his righteousness, but it was simply A pure picture of grace. God's grace that was upon him. God did not call Abraham because that he was a great man. Abraham became a great man because he responded to the call of God. And there's a big difference. So faith is not grounded in human resolve. It's not grounded in in, uh, human righteousness It's not grounded in human reason. I think it's interesting. As you go back and study this passage of Scripture, it says that the first thing that God told Abraham to do was to leave his relatives. Get out of your country. To leave his relatives. Now, have you ever stopped to think about that? How hard that must have been? Just up and leave your father and your mother. Up and leave all of your relatives. Well, that would be almost like saying to Andy Griffin to leave Maybury. (laughs) How could you think of such a thing? But God was saying to Abraham, I want you to trust me. And I want you to leave your relatives. Now the error of the Chaldeans was a port city. It was a very, uh, wealthy city. It was a city that had produced vegetables and fruits in abundance and, and, uh, to leave that city, uh, was saying that you're leaving on the right side of the tracks and going to the wrong side of the tracks when you first hear of that. But he also told him to do something else. Not only to leave his residence, but also said to leave his relatives. Get out from your kindred. He was to leave his family. He was to leave his father and his mother. Can you imagine? I think about some of our missionaries today that go into a foreign world. And I think about as they leave and that they're leaving their moms and their dads and, and their relatives of oh, what a tremendous price and tremendous faith that they demonstrate by responding to that call. But then he also said to leave the resources. See, there at, uh, in the Ur of the Chaldeans, Abraham was very wealthy. He came from a very wealthy family. He had thousands and thousands and thousands of acres of land. And now God is telling him to leave that land. why, in fact, he had so many cattle that it took more than 800 men to tend to his cattle. That's how wealthy he was. And yet God has said, I want you to leave your residence. I want you to leave your relatives. I want you to leave your resources. I want you to turn your back on all of that. My friend, you don't have to be afraid when God tells you to do something. And you don't have to doubt when God tells you that he's got something even more special. heard about one time this grandfather he had spoken to his grandson and he said son i want you to go with me the little boy says where are you going granddad well the granddad didn't say a word he just kept on walking left the little boy sitting there in the uh, in the room a little while later the grandfather walks in the door and the grandson said dad granddad why didn't you take me with you He said, simply because you asked where I was going. That if you really wanted to go with me, it wouldn't have mattered where I was going. And my friend, that's the way it is with God. It really doesn't matter where you're going. If God tells you to go, you should go. I don't know where you're at today, and I don't know what God is trying to tell you. But I believe with all my heart that faith... The revelation of faith is formed in the object of God, a holy God. But the second thing, go back with me in verse 4 again. Not only the revelation that forms our faith, but the response that fed Abraham's faith. Look what the Bible says in verse 4. I like what it says, And so Abraham departed. Now, did you notice he doesn't argue? Did you notice that he doesn't uh, debate? He doesn't put up any excuse. But the Bible says, so Abraham, as the Lord has spoken to him, he responded without hesitancy. Sometimes we think about faith, and I like the acrostics of faith, F-A-I-T-H. Forsaking all, I trust him. And that's exactly what we're talking about today. This is exactly what's the statement that placed Abraham in God's great hall of fame. I go back to that famous chapter in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verse 8. And the Bible tells us, by faith Abraham obeyed. Don't take that lightly. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. See, faith is the root of obedience. Obedience is the fruit of faith. I, th- I think, as I go back and look in the Scriptures, that one of the greatest examples that you will ever will find on obedience is found in Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5 and in verse 5. We find Peter and his disciples there in the boat. And the Bible says that they have fished all night. And they had caught nothing. And Jesus comes along and he says, have you, What have you been doing? And they said, we fished all night and we've caught nothing. And Jesus tells them something rather strange. Take your nets and throw it on the other side of the boat. Now, does that not seem rather strange? They're in the same water. Only a few feet away from where they have been fishing. But what is so special about that is the response of Peter. Look what he says. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have told all night and caught nothing. But here's the clincher. Nevertheless, nevertheless, at your word, I will let down my net. Nevertheless, when by all circumstances it looks as if it's there's an impossibility. But when God says to do something, say, God, I don't understand it. I don't comprehend it. But nevertheless, I'm going to obey your word. That is the same way when it comes to tithing. A lot of people will look at their responsibilities and and they see all that is going out and what is coming in and it looks as if there's no possible way to tithe. And yet the Bible tells us that we are to bring our tithes A commandment of God to bring our tithes to the storehouse of God. Lord, I don't understand. I can't comprehend. It seems like there's an impossibility. But nevertheless, I'm going to do it. And it's amazing of how God will respond to your nevertheless. A lot of times we... We feel the urgency to be able to witness to somebody. And yet we feel like we're so inadequate to be able to witness. And yet we feel that urgent calling of God upon our life to witness God, I can't. I can't speak eloquent. I don't know enough of the Scriptures. God, I can't do this. I can't do that. And God continues to pound upon your heart to witness to that person. And then you come to that point, nevertheless, Lord, nevertheless, I will do what you ask me to do. And it's amazing of how God responds in such a marvelous fashion. Fabulous way. Jesus said in John chapter 15, verse 14, You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. What an opportunity to be a friend of God. Nevertheless, I read about a little boy one time. He was riding his tricycle and the policeman was watching and he was going around and around and around in in the city block and he was staying on the same side of the street but he was going around the block. And the policeman stopped and asked him and he said, Son, what are you doing? He said, Oh, I'm running away from home. He said, Well, why are you running around in the same block? He said, My mama said I couldn't cross the street. <laughs> There's something about obedience. There's something about obedience. But there is a third thing that I want us to see. Oh, I'm so grateful for Abraham. And I'm grateful for the Bible because the Bible tells us the whole story. Sometimes we put men like Abraham up on a pedestal and we think that they're supernatural. And they don't have the same problems as we have. They don't have the same types of temptations as we have. Well, as you continue reading this passage of Scripture, you're going to find that Abraham is a lot like us. And that brings me to my third point, and that is the rebellion that flawed his faith. So when you study this passage of Scripture, you'll discover that Abraham's faith had flaws. wasn't perfect, but they had flaws. And, 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 and that encourages me because it reminds me that even though my faith has flaws, God loves me and He is willing to accept me. And use me. Go back to verse 1 of chapter 13 for a moment. The Bible says, and Abram went up from Egypt. He and his wife and all that he had. And lot with him to the south. My friend, the Bible says the Lord had said back in chapter 12 verse 1 for Abraham to leave. And so the first thing I began to see that Abraham was flawed, his faith was flawed by disobedience. By disobedience. He says, "Get out of the country and leave your kindred as you go back in chapter 11 verse 31. And the Bible says, from the very beginning, Abraham compromised his faith. Not only did he take his father, his nephew, and instead of going to Canaan, he stopped in Haran. And Terah took his son Abraham, or Abram, his grandson Lot, the son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarah, his son's Abram's wife. And they went out with them from Ur the Chaldeans to go to the land of Canaan. And they came to Haran and they dwelt there. Some Bible scholars called Haran halfway Haran. It was the halfway to the land of Canaan. He stopped Halfway. Did you know there's a lot of people today serving the Lord. They, 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 they stop halfway. A lot of people will walk down the aisles and say, I want to trust the Lord Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And, and they, they, they accept Him. And they're marvelously saved. But they'll never be baptized. Maybe because of fear. Maybe because of some other reason, but they won't be baptized. They're halfway there. There's some that says, "I want to follow the Lord with all my heart, with all my mind and with all my soul, but they never tithe. They're halfway there. See, their faith is flawed through disobedience. God calls us to serve, and yet some never serve. They're halfway there. God calls us to go all the way. Did you know that partial obedience is complete disobedience? Complete disobedience. To be partly in the will of God is to be completely out of the will of God. You do not play God with one hand with the Lord and the other hand with the world. So his faith was flawed by disobedience. His faith was flawed by disbelief. Look in verse 10, if you would please, in chapter 12. Verse 10 there for a moment. And there you'll notice... It says, and there was a famine in the land. And Abram went down to Egypt to dwell there, for the famine was severe in the land. Right in the middle of his journey, right in the middle of the place of where he was going, the Bible says a famine comes. Now, you know what a famine does? A famine will encourage your faith or it will discourage your faith. One or the other. A famine is a test. And we all are put to a test. Abraham was put to a test here. There was a trial that came into his life. And this trial was to help prove his faith. But instead of proving his faith, it proved the flaws of his faith. Oftentimes, when there's triumphs, that follows will come trials and testing and tribulation. When a famine came to Abraham, what did he do? The Bible said he left and he went to Egypt. Now, when you think of Egypt, what do you think of? This is the first time Egypt has been mentioned in the Bible. Egypt is known in the Bible as the typology of the world. The typology of carnality. The typology of sin. It represents all that. Isaiah chapter 31 verse 1 declared when it spoke about Egypt. Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help. And rely on horses who trust in chariots because they are many. And in horsemen because they are very strong. But who do not look to the Holy One of the Lord, nor seek the Lord. So you see, when the famine came, Abraham should have stayed put but instead of he sought after the world. That's exactly what happens to so many times with us. That when trials and tribulations come our way, testings come our way, what's the first question we ask? How can I get out of it? How can I get out of this? And that's exactly what Abraham was doing when he took off to Egypt. He wanted to get out of that trial and that testing. But I'm here to tell you, my friend, the testing of God will not be eliminated just because you leave from where you're at. Sometimes the testings get worse. But there's a third flaw. And that's the flaw of dishonesty. Go back to verse 11, 12, and 13. I think this is interesting. Here is Abraham, a man of faith. And yet the Bible tells us, and it came to pass that when he was close to entering into Egypt, that he said to Sarai, his wife, Indeed, I know that you are a woman of beautiful countenance, a beautiful lady. Therefore, it will happen when the Egyptians see you, that they will say, this is his wife and they will kill me. But they will let you live. Now notice what he says. Please say, you are my sister. That it may be well with, what? Me. And for your sake, that I may live because of you. Disobedience revolved right into dishonesty. Abraham said, I know that when I get down to Egypt, that there in Egypt, that Pharaoh's going to like you, and he's going to want you, and he will kill me if I'm your husband. So let's tell them that you are my sister. Well, he wasn't completely wrong. Sarai was his half-sister. You do realize that a half-truth is a whole lie. And that's exactly what happened here. He just keeps getting himself in a bigger mess, does he not? But then there is that fourth flaw came to disgrace the flaw of disgrace it's like dominoes it just keeps getting worse and worse one affects the other look in verse 14 of that chapter so it was when abram came to into egypt that the egyptians saw the woman that she was very beautiful The princes of Pharaoh also saw her and commended her to Pharaoh. And the woman was taken to Pharaoh's house. He treated Abram well for her sake. He had sheep, oxen, male and female servants, female donkeys and camels. But the Lord plagued, listen to this, plagued Pharaoh with his house, with great plagues because of Sarai. Abram's wife. And Pharaoh called Abram and said, What is this that you've done to me? Why didn't you tell me that she was your wife? Why didn't you say she is my sister? I might have taken her as my wife. Now therefore, here is your wife. Take her and go your way. So Pharaoh commanded his men concerning him and they sent him away with his wife and all that he had. It's interesting, is it not, that a pagan king looks better than a Christian. Isn't it interesting that a pagan king is reprimanding A man of God. His faith was flawed. And I believe that why the Scriptures is so well plain uh, bringing this out to us today is a word of warning that if you're not careful that your faith can be flawed. But I'm so grateful that God is a God of second chance. God of grace. And you notice that Abraham, man, he couldn't stand Egypt any longer. And the fourth thing was the repentance that fortified his faith. Abraham had wandered far, far from God when he attempted to start out following God. I can almost hear Abraham as he was leaving Egypt. Singing that old song, "Lord, I'm coming home. I'm coming home." Now, I want you to notice a couple things that Abraham experienced in his departure from Egypt. He rejected the world. The Bible says in chapter thirteen, verse one. He says, "Then Abram went up from Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had, and lot with him to the south." Now, have you ever noticed that? When he went to Egypt, what did it say? He went down into Egypt. When he left Egypt, what did he do? He came up out of Egypt. Abraham had had all that he'd wanted of the world. You know the most miserable man in the world today? He's not a lost man. But he's a child of God where his faith has flawed. Had gone down into the world. A saved man. A saved man who is out of the will of God. A saved man who once knew the perfect will of God now is experiencing the torments of the world. See, I want to remind you that a saved man can enjoy the world about as much as a French poodle can enjoy the slot pen. They just don't go hand in hand. I believe that his theme song was with the way of the cross leads home. See, in order to sing that song, you must sing the third stanza. Then I bid farewell to the way of the world, to walk in it never more. Never again. See, you cannot be a friend of the world and the friend of God at the same time. There is an impossibility here. James tells us that in James chapter 4, verse 4. Do, not, do you not know that the friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever, therefore, wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. When I think of the world, I think about some of the ungodly demonstrations that took place yesterday. A demonstration of the world. The language. The way that they portrayed themselves. And yet a child of God in the midst of that. But I want you to notice that not only he rejected the world, but you notice that he has his, his restored his witness. Chapter 13, verse 3. And he went on his journey from the south as far as Bethel to a place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Ai. Sometimes the way forward is backward, is it not? Sometimes we have to learn as Abraham had to learn. He'd gone back from his to his beginning. He'd gone back to the place where he had fellowship and faith with the Lord. He went back there. The Bible says that he came to a place called Bethel. Bethel, of course, means a house of God. He came back. He left the world and he came back to the house of God. And then in verse 4 you'll see how he renewed his worship. The Bible reminds us, it says, to the place of the altar which he had made there at first, and there Abram called on the name of the Lord. When you think of an altar, what do you think of? You think of worship. You think of a place of sacrifice. I'm reminded, as the Scripture teaches us, that we are to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, which is a reasonable service unto God. Now, I think it's interesting. Abraham had been to several places. He'd been to Ur. He'd been to Haran. He'd been to Egypt, but there's no place mentioned that there was a Bethel there. Only when he left the world, the altar was always at Bethel. What does that mean? That means before sanctification, there must be separation. I think that children of God should look like children of God. They should walk like children of God. They should talk like children of God. They should act like children of God. They are separated from this world and not of this world. So the root of faith and the fruit of fellowship will not grow in filthy Saul, but in that holy, holy place called Bethel. I'm sure. God might be challenging you today with your faith. He's calling you to do something that seems to be an impossibility. Would you be willing to say, Lord, I don't understand. I don't comprehend it. But nevertheless, if you tell me to do it, I'm going to do it. And then when you do it, be careful that your faith is not flawed. Because, my friend, you'll find yourself just getting in deeper trouble. I wonder today if there might be some that will step out and come to a holy place called an altar. A place of sacrifice to confess their faith, and to announce their faith of what God is doing in their life. Lord Jesus, Your Word has spoken so direct in the life of Abraham. And Lord, help us to understand Help us to identify with Him, with our faith. Help us to understand with our flaws. Lord, I believe that as we're coming to this time of commitment, Abraham had to make that decision to go all the way with you. So may the Holy Spirit of God speak and work and demonstrate His power. There may be someone here today never trusted Christ as their Savior. What an exhibit of faith when they deny themselves and take up the cross. Maybe there's believers here today that are being challenged with some things today that seems to be an impossibility. But by faith, and nevertheless at thy word, they're going to respond as you've called them to respond. Maybe there's some that have gone down the road of Egypt, need to come home, need to come back, originally of where their faith was established. So have your way, dear Lord Jesus. In Jesus we pray.